How many of you know what this is? It's a, it's a little plant. It's a beautiful, like, like nice, sweet plant that m- many of you, maybe most of you, have somewhere in your office or your home or it's somewhere, and it's really pretty. And um, I'm grateful for this kind of a plant, right? I'm grateful to Target, Grateful to Target for perfecting the idea of a plant that looks real but isn't. Do you know what I mean? It's like in our house, any plant that comes in within six weeks is dead. I don't know what it is. We just don't have a green thumb. We don't have our thing. But this, this plant comes in and we just get to set it and forget it. No maintenance, no work, no nothing. It just sits there. It's just a pretty little plant. Look at it. Now, in our home, I'm grateful for it. I'm grateful to Target. I'm grateful to the others, Hobby Lobby, all the ones that sell them. Got some Hobby Lobby fans in the room. (laughs) It's kind of weird. But... But if we use this as a spiritual metaphor, I think we run into a problem. Because as a fake plant, this is superficial. It is synthetic. Everybody say that word with me. Synthetic. It is synthetic. It has no roots. There's nothing under there. It's not going anywhere. It's not going to grow. It's not going to produce any fruit. It's not going to create anything. There's no aroma to it. Like there is in a real, authentic, living plant. A living plant has some kind of blossom. Some kind of, some kind of cycle, seasonal dynamic to it. There's, in a real plant, you have to cultivate. In a real plant, you've got to provide some nutrients. What do you, what do you need for a plant to live? You got to have some water. Yeah, okay. You got to have some sunlight, right? What else do you have to have? Maybe some soil that's good, right? Some nutrients in the soil. Maybe even some fertilizer, we don't, I don't like the fertilizer, but, you know, you got, you, you got to have some things that, like I, like, I know what a plant needs, but somehow i rather settle for this. I want to submit to you today that our, maybe our, the way our culture works, we're always working for the aesthetic rather than working for the living, rooted plant. We're, we're, we're always looking for something synthetic that speeds up the process that lessens the amount of work that needs to be done. Right? Which, hey, we live in America. That's a beautiful thing, isn't it? What that means in reality is you have more discretionary time than any person who's ever lived on the face of the earth in the last several thousand years. <laughs> it's Pastor Russ. Now you're just, I don't know, you're crazy today. What's, what are you talking about? 
I don't, I'm busy. I have lots of stuff to do. You know, there's so many things that I think we tend to opt for what is pretty and what requires no work. But when it comes to your life, really in any area of your life, when you opt for that, I think you short circuit the process. You lose any character development. You lose any type of movement or cultivation that changes you. Are you guys with me? And so I think, I think this, this series we're about to go into is called The Rooted Life. And we're going to talk about finding depth in a shallow world. And we're going to talk about these, these roots because this is really, a, I think, an issue for so much of our culture and so much of our society you know, there's, there's, these, <clears throat> there's these processes that we have in our culture, and we opt for, for what is immediate. Everybody say immediate. We opt for something that, that seems like a shortcut, but really it shortcuts an entire process we're not thinking about. So much of our 21st century life feels shallow in a way. You look at all the things around us, you look at social media to politics to entertainment our jobs our relationships sometimes our families even our church can end up our spiritual life can end up lacking depth there's a sense of um connectedness that we're looking for but somehow that connectedness we can't find it because we're always looking for the shortcut and so rootedness is something that goes down deep. Rootedness is something that creates a flourishing. Rootedness is something that creates fruitfulness and beauty. Think about a big tree. How many people, how many people in the room have a big tree in your yard? Raise your hand. Ooh, that's, that's a lot of you. You know, if you go to a new neighborhood, there's all these little sticks. They stick in the ground. And it's about 10 years, you're going to have a really awesome tree. But in, in our neighborhood, our neighborhood is a little older, and we have these big trees and there's there's these big old trunks that hold them up and hold up let uh, I guess it was uh two years ago when we had the huge freeze right we have this big tree in the back and it and it got ice all over it it froze and then it like the entire tree just bent over it was like this crazy picture a huge tree it's bent over some of the tallest branches are touching the ground it melts I think it's going to be toast for this tree it's not gonna last it's not gonna make it this is awful it's totally broken crazy thing it the ice melts the water kind of melts off of it and suddenly it starts to lift up it's back today where it was all the branches all the branches were strong enough to bend to deal with the forces around it and the trunk was sturdy enough that those things could, those branches could bend and still receive life. I want you to, I want you to just think about your life. Sometimes you, you want to think just about your spiritual life as a thing that needs to be rooted. But really, everything in your life, life needs the rootedness of a spiritual life. And you think about your family, you think about money, you think about your career, you're thinking about relationships, even hobbies. You're thinking about all these, you could picture them as the branches of a tree. And the branches of that tree all need spiritual vitality. 
Don't, tend, don't take your spiritual life. Don't listen to me over the next several weeks. Listen to us talk about this rootedness and think it just fits in church. It fits in your whole life. A rootedness in something that matters and something that's meaningful. An authenticity, a reality, a living thing that's operating in your life that God is interested in being involved in. You and I are a lot like that tree that I just described. And in fact, Jesus talked a lot about the organic process of planting, of sowing, of watering, of harvesting, He talked about a rooted process. He spoke about these planting of seeds and being connected to the vine. He talked about pruning. And he talked about the kingdom of God in this context. And in our society, sometimes we're missing the slow, organic, meaningful process that is required to have spiritual health and vitality. I don't know if you realize this, but the, the kingdom of God that Jesus taught about is not dissimilar to the plant kingdom that God himself created. And in the plant kingdom, there are actually two types of root systems. Check this out. Look at this picture of the root systems. One is clearly more advantageous than the other, all right? You see, the, there's something called a tap root, right? You see it right here on the left, the tap root system, and then a fibrous root system, Benefit. Some of you just left me. You just like, you science class just came and you just like, but you see, come on, go with me. The taproot actually digs down deep. Taproots tend to grow faster. Taproots are better at anchoring. Taproots can absorb more water. Taproots can help plants survive during periods of drought, during difficult Weather patterns, a taproot system allows plants to anchor better and get their resources further, deeper in the ground. Now, taproots are stronger. Now, listen to this. Taproots are stronger than fibrous roots because they dig deeper into the soil while a fibrous root, you see how it is? Look, look at the way it, it's kind of shallow and it must draw its strength from the soil conditions and the environment immediately around it. It just grabs onto whatever it can get. I think the same is true for you and me. Sometimes we have a fibrous root system in our lives and we're just grabbing on to whatever our environment will provide. Instead of drilling down deep, God is encouraging us to develop deeper roots, a taproot system where we're anchored deeply in him and connected to him. We draw our strength from the resources that he's provided in a deep soil of his love and care and desire for us. The, the world, however, encourages a fibrous root system where we're just reaching out to get whatever we can, just some nutrients to stay alive. That's the way the weeds work in your yard and my yard. Those weeds are pesky. So we're going to begin this next season, 2024, we're going to begin by talking about being rooted. And what does it require and what does it look like? And to do this, we got to go back. Everybody say, go back. We got to go back to the original church. We got to go back to the first century church to remember what the 21st century church should still look like. You guys look scared to me this morning. Too much, too strong, are your wheels turning? I want you to, I want you to really let God speak to you here because this has been clattering around in me for a few weeks now 
And I just feel very stirred. I feel, I feel conviction about returning to simplicity. I feel a, a stirring to, to return to the origins and to the rootedness of what God has always called his people to. So let's begin with Acts chapter 2. If you want to follow me on the message notes, you just use that QR code. Acts chapter 2, I'm going to read it from the New Living Translation. And this is something that, <clears throat> that is the birth of the church. This is the origin of the church of Jesus Christ. Jesus has, was, had just been here. He'd been hanging around after his resurrection. A bunch of people had seen him. They'd been overwhelmed by the miracle and the power of God. And he told them, he's like, hey, don't, go, don't get too excited. Don't get too excited. Instead of sending his disciples out after his resurrection, you know what he said? He said, I want you to wait. Wait. Whoa, whoa, whoa. If you don't wait for what I have for you, if you don't slow down, is what he said, then you're not going to get the work of the Spirit that I'm sending to you. And Acts chapter 2 is where God pours out his Spirit on his disciples, and there's this massive outpouring, and they, they share the gospel in all these different languages under a miraculous, in a miraculous way. And I want to read what happened as a result. Acts 2, 42 through 47. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. Now I want you to just notice what that is. Apostles' teaching, fellowship, Breaking of bread is what the NIV says, sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in a place, in one place, and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in the, at homes, in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. I don't know about you, but that's, if I think about um, our American model of church, I'm not sure it sounds the same. What we see all around our culture, like, like me, maybe you read that passage about that first century church experience and it's like, I don't, yes, I guess, I guess we can do it, maybe. We might end up being too busy. Life gets too complicated, it seems to move too fast, too compartmentalized. How can we possibly live this way in the 21st century? Pastor John Tyson is an amazing author and pastor, theologian. He's, he, wrote this, he, he, he wrote this modern day paraphrase of this passage. Modern day paraphrase of this passage. He called it the American gospel, 242 through 47. All right, you ready for this? Buckle up, here we go. He said, he, 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 he paraphrased this passage for our American mindset. They studied the apostles' teaching when they had time. They went to fellowship when they could fit it in. They prayed when they needed something and got coffee with each other every now and then. They were content without and had low expectations for signs and wonders in their midst. Some of the believers got together and talked about generosity, but they all kept their possessions to themselves. Two out of five Sundays, they came to corporate gatherings 
They didn't invite people into their homes and rarely revealed their hearts. They were largely irrelevant to society and occasionally someone got saved. You guys, when I read that, it just like cut me down to my core. It actually made me sad to read it because I think it's probably too prevalent among us. Is this really where we are? Is this really the world we live in? Is this why we find ourselves spiritually unmotivated and weak? Is this how we lose our first love? Are we like the church in Ephesus in the book of Revelation? Revelation 2 that says, You have persevered and have endured hardships for my name and have not grown weary, yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken the love you had at first. Listen, our times are different. It's, there's no doubt about it. We are not living in the first century, but people have not changed. People are the same as they were all those years ago. We still get distracted and fearful. We still grow cold in our love for God and one another. We're all too willing to embrace maybe shallow theology or, or superficial relationships. We get comfortable in our environment and complacent in our spiritual growth. We are 20 centuries removed from the book of Acts and yet our tendencies and our struggles are the same and our need to be rooted in God is the same. So we've got to look at these practices and ask God to help us. So here's five spiritual practices for establishing strong roots. Five spiritual practices for establishing strong roots. Number one, they devoted themselves. All the believers devoted themselves. That word devoted, the early church were Christians who took their new identity in Christ really seriously. There, there, was, <laughs> there wasn't a lot of stodginess. You know that song we just sang? Shake up the ground of all my traditions. Break down the walls of all my religion. That's a really good song. What was happening in the early church is they were breaking down all the traditions of the past because they had them. Jesus broke those traditions and he made new meaning out of them. And, and so there's, a, there's something in our heart that we've got to allow God to do that's new and fresh. They devoted themselves, the, the, the apostles teaching, they, they devoted themselves to fellowship with one another. They devoted themselves to sharing meals. They devoted themselves to prayer. They devoted themselves. Now I know what you're thinking. I know what you're thinking. Well, <laughs> If Jesus had just been raised from the dead, I'd be excited too. I know it seems so far removed, doesn't it? 20 centuries. He is alive and well. He is alive and well, and we have his spirit. And his Holy Spirit is available to you and to me. Like we have the scriptures when we look at the apostles' teaching, you know what we look at? The apostles' teaching was not written in a form that we now enjoy in the New Testament. The apostles were teaching what Jesus taught them. And so he was looking, he was, he was, Jesus had a way of looking at the Old Testament scriptures and then helping them see what God was up to and what he was doing in his day. And he was doing something new. He was doing something that was fresh, that changed the way they saw the world. That has not ever stopped. 
God continues to do new things. God continues to make all things new. God continues to to break people out of their religion and out of their traditions and out of looking at God through a lens of just trying to conform or do some rituals. There's something more. Turn to your neighbor and say, something more. Something more. There's something more. And I don't want to, listen, what I just read to you, it's like, we're all kind of like, oh man, I, what, is, what is happening? Listen, I want you to enjoy the benefits of what God originally intended. I want us, me, you and me, to be the church that God has put together in the world. And, and to do that, we have to do a few things, but then what we get in return is so good. And I want you to see it. Look at this. They, were devoted them, they devoted themselves. They were obsessed with it. They had relationships with Jesus and, and his church. That was not optional equipment, but there was an all-consuming fire. The word devotions, here's what it means. It means the state of being devoted, addiction, eager inclination, strong attachment, love or affection, zeal, especially feelings toward God appropriately expressed by acts of worship, devoutness. Listen, God is calling us. He's calling us to a deeper devotion to him. 2024 has got to be about connecting to him and connecting to each other. Because it's what we need most. It's what we need most. It's just so hard sometimes to crack the code of our current culture and to get through it. But we're going to spend the next several weeks, we're going to talk about what it looks like to go back to the original. We're going to go look, look at what it, you know, <laughs> when I was, when we started One Chapel, it was there was something new about it. There was something fresh. How many people were here at our first service in the movie theater? How many people? Raise your hand. Raise your hand. Raise your hand. Come on up high. Look at, the, oh, look at these people. This is so awesome. There, there was a whole bunch of people in that movie theater, and everybody's like, oh, my gosh. Look what God is doing. I submit to you that the same spirit that was there that day was here this morning. We just got to, we just got to tap into it. We just got to see it. The apostles teaching wasn't just learning Old Testament things and translating them for what God was doing. It was also about obedience because Jesus taught a lot about obedience. Everybody say obedience. <laughs> I know. Obedience. <laughs> the, the apostles teaching was, was going to be written, but they were teaching it and and what they wanted was Jesus had taught them how this works, how the kingdom of God is working, and what was part of it. And they began to teach the, uh, all the people that were gathered, all the people that had an experience with the, the, the Holy Spirit. And he, he start, they started teaching about how to obey. What we have to do together is teach each other to obey. If you just rely on me to teach you to obey, not enough. You need me in your ear all week long. That's why I'm doing a podcast. Just kidding. You guys, you guys, it takes us, it takes all of us to devote ourselves together to this kind of teaching. To fellowship. Everybody say fellowship. To fellowship. That's a nice churchy word, isn't it? The early church shows us a, a picture of radical relationships. Fellowship's kind of a bit of a lost word, isn't it? It's like too many of us think it means donuts in the lobby. <laughs> 
there's donuts in the lobby today. <laughs> so if you think fellowship means donuts in the lobby, go hang out. I know. Listen, I don't know if you know this. When you eat donuts in church, there are no calories. Just kidding. For the early church, fellowship meant so much more. Fellowship is an active expression of community. It looks like believers connecting with each other in authentic and loving ways. It, it, they encourage one another to grow in Christ. They're eager and vulnerable to engage in relationships that cultivate growth and fruitfulness. And, they, and it's celebratory. And it makes evident Christ's love to the rest of the world. Hebrews 10, 25 in the Message Bible says, let's see how inventive we can be in encouraging love and helping out, not avoiding worshiping together as some do, but spurring each other on, especially as we see the big day approaching. I want to do something today before we go any further. I want you to take your phone out right now, and I want you to, I want you to take a survey for me. And the survey is really, I think, just about information, try, us trying to do a better job as a church of helping all of us get in a small group. And I want you to just scan this, and it'll take you through about five or six questions, all right? We had, we had some experimenting with it earlier today, and some of it, <coughs> some people had to sign in if you've got extra security on your phone or whatever um, to Google, but, but it's a, I, I want you to take the survey. It'll really help us, and I think we're trying to get information from everybody about how, what would it take for you to be in a group, all right? I'm going to give you 60 seconds, ready? Put the clock, put the countdown, ready? Go. Oh yeah. Go ahead and do it. say thank you for for filling out that survey i i think we all need to work together to figure out how to break through the stuff we're all facing and the difficulty of it and that'll help us form i'll share the results of that survey next week okay so uh it'll be really interesting we might even uh, make sure more people fill it out this week uh, from our church so i want i want to i want you to tell you what we're going to do we're going to approach this year a little bit differently when it comes to fellowship, when it comes to small groups. There's one of the things that we're going to do is we're going to take six weeks. And we're going to try to use the next six weeks. We're going to talk about the rooted life. We're going to talk about different aspects of what it means to be rooted. And we're going to ask every, as many people as will, to form small groups. And when I say form small groups, I just mean get together with some people you know <laughs> and talk about Jesus, and pray for each other. That's it. Sorry, there's one more thing. I think food is always important. 
I don't know, there's something when you're standing somewhere with a little plastic plate and you're putting a little thing in your mouth and you're talking. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, it's great. Work is great. There's something that opens you up. It's like primal, right? Like you open your mouth, you put that food in, you're talking to somebody. I don't know, it's something versus just sitting on the couch and waiting for somebody to start the meeting. Like that's dumb. So I just think, I just think everybody needs connection and everybody needs spiritual rootedness that affects the rest of their lives and we've got to we've got to figure out how to do it and so on January 21st that's two weeks from now uh, we're going to have a group leaders lunch if you are a mature Christian if you've been coming to church for longer than eight weeks you're a mature Christian just kidding. Listen, here's, here's the truth. Did you know that Jesus had this, this small group of guys called the disciples, right? And Jesus was awesome, but he was only 11 for 12. <laughs> Some of you just got that. The point, it's a joke, but there's the point. Jesus was dealing with the, those guys as they were, and you don't have to be you don't have to be perfect. You don't have to be know it, a know-it-all to get together with some friends and talk about Jesus. And I'm going to do my best to make sure you have discussion guides, to make sure you have opportunity. And, and listen, you can, you can do a book study, and we're going to have some kind of approved curriculum and resources we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna throw to you and say, here's if you're going to study a book or something, do this. But here's the thing. I can't guarantee always that there will be the power of the Spirit on a book. I can guarantee there will be this power of the Spirit on the Scripture. There's something about it. It's praying for each other, reading the Scripture together. There's something powerful about it. There's something basic about it. And I'm for, I'm for getting, making sure that our lives are rooted and we're learning new skills. And I think books are amazing for this purpose. I am not opposed to reading. I think we should all be readers. Leaders are readers. And so we should all be reading books, right? But don't skip the very basic building blocks of being rooted in who God is. Because if you're not careful, as a Christian, you will start thinking, if all you do is read popular Christian books, all you're doing is trying to keep fixing yourself. You start to get an expert mentality, because that's the culture we live in. You have an expert mentality, and so I, 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 my marriage is really suffering. I need to read a book on marriage, and we need to, and listen, I'm, I'm for it, I'm for it. Read the books on marriage, it's great. But if you're not careful, you will develop a mindset, oh, I've got to fix this. Oh, I got to make this happen. Oh, I got to be better at this. Oh, I got to make this happen. Oh, I got to, God wants me, so I got to. You skip past the truth and wonder and beauty and mystery of the gospel message that penetrates a human heart. Do you know what the gospel is? The gospel is good news. You don't have to fix yourself. <laughs> truth is, nobody can fix you. You can't fix you. 
the miracle of the gospel is God comes inside of you. He speaks to you. You surrender to him. There's an openness and a, and a, a, a miraculous thing starting to happen in your soul and in your mind and in your thought process. And you, you begin to want to follow Jesus, right? You may not be good at it, but you begin to want to. And suddenly, there's something happening in your life. Some of us who've been Christians for a while need to get back in touch with that. I want to encourage you to form groups with your friends. I'm not going to provide all the groups for you. That's not my job to provide you a group. What? Pastor Ross, what are you? Who gave Ross some to drink before the service? Listen, the work of the body of Christ is the body. Jesus is the head. I'm the pastor. That's my role. I'm an under shepherd. I'll take it. Great. But he's the great shepherd. He's the one we're all following. I'll try to fulfill my role and be especially helpful. But this is something we, we each of us have to decide this is valuable to us. This is what we want to do to be rooted. Sharing meals sharing meals do you know how hard it is to get on our calendar it's really hard in 2024 I'm going to stop doing I'm going to stop making it so hard what if we what if we could in a sort of a rebel sort of way begin to resist all that busyness and prioritize being with some friends who know Jesus in a consistent way so that we could become more rooted. That's all I really want you to do. That's all I really want. And then just let us know about it. Come to the training on January 21st. It's gonna be right after the second service. January 21st, put it on your calendar. Come and join us and I'll, I'll coach you. I'll, I'll, I'll encourage you. But I'm, here's my, my new thing in 2024 is, I want to lead a church that loves Jesus. I want to lead a church that wants to follow Jesus. Why would I want to spend all my time trying to make people do something? <laughs> That's the mindset pastors get into sometimes. Oh, it's my job to make some. No. The Spirit's got to come. Jesus has to be revealed. You got to be, have this devotion that begins to appear. You begin to take in the scriptures. You begin to take it in. You fellowship with others. You share in meals. You break bread together. And here's the thing. You, you, know why, you, know why, you know why you have to break bread together? You know why you have to share in meals? Because we are formed spiritually in the routines of life. You're formed emotionally in the routines of life. Let's be honest. If you grew up having dinner at a table four or five days a week you're probably the exception but you were formed in family you were formed in, in, in conversation and communication if you were raised in a family that ate dinner in front of the TV or in separate rooms you were formed in a way we have to be together to be formed we're being formed by Christ himself when we gather 
Some of you feel alienated and isolated. I'm, I'm trying to create ways that you can break out of that, but the truth is all of us need to learn how to be a friend in order to receive a friend. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Praying together. In my men's groups, when I go to these men's groups and we talk about the scriptures, and then at the end we leave about 20 minutes to, to get in groups of three and we pray with each other. And all, all manner of crazy stuff is talked about in those groups of three. <laughs> hey, here's what I'm going through. Here's what's happening to me. Here's what's going on at work. Here's what's happening in my family. Here's what, and their, the prayers and the breakthrough in those prayers changes the dynamics of the group. The intimacy starts to grow because you stopped to pray. And you prayed about meaningful things. And as you pray for those meaningful things, your hearts begin to be tied together and suddenly there's this supernatural rootedness and growth that you don't want to miss the group and when you do you feel bad because you not because of guilt or religion but because you love them <laughs> the worst thing I want to do today is guilt you into being in a group <laughs> that would be terrible but you got to face reality you got to face the reality of your priorities. You got to face the reality of what this is that we're facing here, what your spiritual life is and how it affects everything else in your life. And prayer is part of that and it's powerful. Here's what happens when you decide you're going to do these four things cuz verse verse 43 to 47 is amazing. 43 to 47. Look what it says. I'm going to read it again. Put it up here. It says a deep sense of awe came over them all. In a way, these are the results of the first four things. There was a deep sense of awe. Just put up the, here, I'll, I'll read this. I'll read the, I don't have time to read the verse. Uh, yeah, there it is. A deep sense of awe, worship and reverence for God's presence, signs and wonders, miracles and healings, generosity and joy. Everyone's needs were taken care of. Goodwill and salvation. People were coming to Jesus. This is what happens when you decide to go back to the original design of the church of Jesus Christ. Let's do this. Let's do this. I know that you're struggling to figure it out. I am too. I am too. Let's figure it out over the next six weeks so that by February 11th, here's my plan. We're gonna do our, our next series on the week of February 11th. We're gonna start 40 days to Easter with that series. And I want by that time for everybody to figure it out. I, I think I belong to a group now. And where, however you want to form it, whatever you want to do, it's up to you. I don't really care exactly what it looks like. What I want you to do is take a step. 